Mentors leave their mark. They alter the way we think about our work and even our world. Their advice becomes the advice that comes out of our mouths. Always do the right thing. If I have used that thought once, I've used it a thousand times. You don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. At Becker's CEO and CFO Roundtable in Chicago, we sat down with health system leaders to talk about what they took from their mentors and what they get out of being a mentor now. I'm Blake Farmer from Wellvana, where we think value-based care can only be done in partnership, and this is You Can't Do It Alone. First up, we sit down with Dr. Amit Vashist. He's the SVP and Chief Clinical Officer for Ballad Health. It's a 22-hospital system in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. For Dr. Vashist, one of his greatest mentors is somebody he's never met. Uh, for me, a mentor can, be, can come in various forms and shapes and sizes. A mentor could be something, a book that you are reading, and you get best practice advice, some real-life lessons on it. To me, a mentor could be a person who may be, you know, far down in the, clin- uh, in the command of a uh, chain structure of a hierarchy of an organization, or it could be somebody who is at the level of your boss or something like that. Uh, having come from medical school, uh, I have encountered uh, several mentors uh, uh, and learned tremendously from them, be it my attendings when I did med school and I did my residency. Then I stepped into leadership, some great CEOs that I encountered, some other physicians, so on and so forth. So I learn every single day. I wonder, I love this idea that you could even have you know, an, an author or a, a speaker who kind of becomes this mentor in your head. But I wonder who's, who's been speaking to you these days? I think what, uh, as I keep reflecting on the way forward for me as a professional and uh, charting a path for the organization, which is in the world of healthcare, in a post-pandemic world, I'm constantly reminded, I read this book way back when and I've read it 10 times, listened to it five or six times. It's Atomic Habits by James Clear. And one of the things that James Clear says that resonates with me again and again is you don't rise to the level of your goals. You don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. So as I think about it, what the domains that I'm in charge of in my organization, have we built those foundational pieces, those systems of care that will enable us to achieve better outcomes for our patients and for our community? Because we take a lot of decisions on any given day, on any given moment, but decisions have a chance to be 50% right or 50% wrong. So I try to go deep underneath the hood to look at some of those foundational pieces. Are we encountering those pieces right? Are we asking the right set of questions? And how do we build our teams to start thinking critically uh, in those aspects of care? Thanks to Dr. Bashist. You can hear more from his interview on the Wellvana YouTube page. After our chat, I felt like I had been mentored. He talks about auditing his actions at the end of every day and even looking for opportunities where he might need to make apologies for something unintentional like dismissing somebody's idea. And he picks up the phone, even makes that apology whether the person on the other end thought it was needed or not. It's good stuff. Not only can mentorship be from somebody you haven't met, but mentorship doesn't have to be all that formal. Sometimes you don't realize you're being mentored until you look back and realize just how much you learned from a person. That's the case for Karen Janicek. 
She's the chief population health and growth officer for Sinai Chicago. As I've grown in experience and age and wisdom, I look back and I'm like, oh, that person, that role, that sentence, that experience was a form of mentorship that I've pulled with me through my career. Are there things mentors have, have told you that you find yourself repeating to other people that like, you know, I had, I had this person or this person in my life who said this and, and, you, and you passed that along? Yes, um, I love that question, first of all. And, and again, this is I see it in the rearview mirror now. But my first position out of college was with Mercy Hospital here in Chicago, now known as Insight. And I had the pleasure of working with Sister Sheila Lyon, the then CEO of the hospital. And one of the things, one day Sister came by my office and said, let's take a walk down the hallway. I said, sure, Sister said something, you went and you did it. Um, and as we're walking, She's pointing up to the lights in the ceiling, and she's like, what do you see? Lights in the ceiling, sister. What, what do you want me to see? And it, that became a mentor moment, because she then said, no money, no mission. In other words, we have to make money to keep the lights on to serve the communities that we are serving. If I have used that thought once, I've used it a thousand times throughout the career. And I particularly come back to those words, I hearken back to those words, being at Sinai, Chicago. Well, and it seems like coming from a sister, that, that, that means a lot more than, you know, coming from, you know, a, a business executive of some kind. Not that that's not what she was. Well, she was at both, but, right. but I, no, I see your point. However, in all of the uh, secular business leaders I've had the privilege to work for and with, um, in more than one ways, they've said the same message. Um, and that message, no money, no mission, uh, also empowers you to think creatively, to think efficiently, to think long-term. In our world, it's how are we thinking about the patients and keeping patient-centered care at the forefront of what we do. That's Karen Janicek of Sinai Chicago. Don't miss her take on how being a mentor now helps her keep her own skills sharp. That's in the full interview. When you hear enough stories about mentors, common threads emerge. One attribute that surfaces for me in these interviews is humility. Sara Vaezi, Chief Strategy and Digital Officer of Providence Health, based in Seattle, had an experience that she credits with where she is now in her career. Well, I've had the benefit of having um, a few exceptional mentors. So this is uh, something that I uh, carry very near and dear to me. Um, I think a couple of things that um, really have worked for me. Someone who is uh, emotionally vested in you and, um, and then does specific, tactical, tangible things to advance um, your development, advance your career trajectory, um, and sometimes do so in a way that might um, you know, take them out of the spotlight. So they don't think about themselves. They think about, they center the experience around you as an individual. Um, and those are a few of the things that, you know, have helped me in the past when I've had a really great mentor. I, I, to prep for this, I was listening to podcasts about mentorship. Uh, but one of the things they were talking about was uh, the sort of some of the myths. Um, and, and one of them was that, like, the more successful, the better the mentor they'll be. And they were kind of poking a hole in that and saying sometimes they don't have the humility that I think you're talking about is needed there. What, how has this worked in your favor? 
So um, actually, you know, I'll speak from like my most recent experience and uh, very personal experience. When I joined Providence, I've been with the organization for almost eight years. And um, I was actually hired in um, under a position called a technical advisor by my former uh, boss and the former chief digital officer at Providence, a gentleman named Aaron Martin. And um, Aaron had come from Amazon and um, had uh, the technical advisor is a concept at Amazon that is uh, sort of well established and it's basically um, a position that that is for someone who is up and coming in their career, they have high potential, and they um, get formally mentored by the person for whom they are a technical advisor, and um, they get exposure to mission critical work, they get exposure to leaders at all level of the organization. So, you know, sometimes folks get kind of buried in an organization. And in this particular instance, you know, Aaron um, was uh, obviously a very senior leader in the organization, very accomplished, but also had um, the, I would say, the, the orientation around what someone else might need. So what it actually ended up amounting to was not just mentorship. Um, it wasn't just like a listening ear or someone who provided advice, but an actual formal sponsorship and a sort of... Um, joint accountability almost and joint um, uh, uh, it was like a collaboration around my career so that worked incredibly well I mean first of all like the mission critical work helped from an extremely you know steep learning curve and granted like I needed to have the sort of wherewithal to be able to grab that and do something with it um, but extremely steep learning curve got a lot of I mean, the first week, I think day two of being on the job, I sat in a meeting with our CEO, Rod Hockman, who, like, that doesn't happen for everybody. And um, and so a lot of it was just being afforded things that um, are really special and really opportunity-creating. And a lot of, I mean, it's like some, you know, it's fortunate, right place, right time in many cases, but in many ways for myself, it was right place, right time. But um, that was, you know, just something that, probably advanced my career by 20 years. Sara Vaezi of Providence Health also claims that she herself is not the best of mentors. But something tells me she's being a little too hard on herself. A mentor does have to be somebody who's been there before. Otherwise, their lessons do fall a little flat. Marty Bonick, CEO of Ardent Health Services based in Nashville, says one of his first mentors ran a hospital that Ardent would later acquire. His name's Jim Harvey. Jim had a number of, uh, of pearls of wisdom he imparted upon me back in the day, but but one of them that's been, I think, particularly germane in the, in the times that we're living in is just always do the right thing. And, and it sounds simple, um, but, but his point in that, and, and often his points were simple but profound, there's so many temptations these days to cut corners, um, to, to look for the easy way out, to make the quick buck, so, you know, and... Um, you know, we're dealing with people's lives in healthcare, and there's not always an easy solution. And we've got, as leaders, to have to make the hard decision sometimes, and sometimes the right thing isn't the easy thing. And, and if you just look around at what's going around the world right now and some high-profile names and high-profile companies that have done things that were financially or morally or ethically wrong and are now being you know, fined in prison, you know, put tons of people at risk, 
um, you can see just how this plays out. And you know, the temptation to make your numbers or uh, to please investors or stakeholders or what have you is, is, is always going to be there. But, but Jim really imparted upon me, always do the right thing. Do the right thing for the people, for the, the people you're caring for. And that may not be always in your personal best interest, that may not be in the organization's best interest, but, but always do the right thing regardless. You were talking about a, a good mentor being somebody who can kind of speak the truth in love or something like that. I mean, uh, do, do you think people get that wrong about a mentor, thinking that this is supposed to be their cheerleader or something like that? I, I think it can, and I think you have to have a relationship where you're in a mindset to, to receive that advice. Um, and to be able to process it. But again, it's, uh, in my opinion, it's somebody that's really helping to challenge you to be a better person, to think about um, how to be more personally effective um, in what you do. And um, you know, it's somebody that um, you know, has, has that patience, that wisdom, somebody that's been there before um, and is willing to, to pour into you. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times it's a selfless act, you know, I mean, just trying to help other people succeed and do the right things in their career. Yeah. But, but while, while it might be selfless, in its way, I wonder what you would say a mentor gets out of the relationship, or, or if it's working well, what they could get out of it. Oh, I mean, I, I you know, I've got several people in our organization and, and in my life that I feel um, I always think that I'm still always in learning mode, and you know, have so much to learn and, get, and, and grow from. But uh, but but there are people that I know in my life that are younger and coming up in their careers, and, and try to pour back into them. And it's nice to see how. Um, the words and the relationship that you can have with somebody can help them uh, in, in their career development and their personal development. And so uh, I, I think that there is a personal fulfillment co that comes out of that, whether or not it's a, a business applicability is separate, but, but from a personal knowing that you're doing good and trying to help others just as others helped you to get to where you're at in your career. That's Marty Bonick there. It's remarkable when it comes down to it how much of mentorship can be packaged up in the things a mentor says these simple maxims to live by. Jennifer Wandersleben, a regional CEO with Advent Health, says for her it's typically been a boss that becomes more than a boss and ends up in that mentor territory. I can remember one specifically um, early on who said, um, I am now part of his university, and, and he goes, and this is what we're going to learn. And I love that because um, you know he helped shape where he thought I needed to grow, and then I think what I really loved is that he would give me these lessons of the day, and I was just soaking it up um, like a like a sponge. What what would be a, like a lesson of the day? Like um, for an example, I need you to stay above the fray, like stay above the trees. Don't be don't be in the woods where you can't um, see uh, from a from a higher higher level view, or don't make a decision that kills a patient. I mean that's and I said what? I'm not a I'm not a caregiver. He said, yes, but you make business decisions that definitely have impacts on your patients. So don't ever make a decision that could kill a patient. That's, that's pretty heavy, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I can see why you'd be a little taken aback by that. Um, would this, it sounds like this mentor would know that he was a mentor, that it was a pretty formal kind of thing. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, and, and I really appreciated, appreciated that. And then I've had other um, bosses slash mentors along the way that would give me little nuggets that I would hang on to. Um, it, not necessarily a formal mentor, but um, important things. Like as a, as a female leader, for an example, um, a, uh, a lady by the name of Marla, she would, um, she would say, don't be shy to sit at the table. There's, you know, when you first come in and there's only 40 seats, most of them are in the back row, 
as a female, sit at the at the table, be known, get get there and speak up early in the conversation. And um, I I just really appreciated her taking me under her wing. Thanks to Jennifer Wanderslaben. We'll wrap up with Febby Abraham. He's a man who seems to have all the answers. He's an EVP and chief strategy officer at Memorial Hermann in Houston. This is a guy with a Ph.D. in mechanical engineering. He comes from a field where perfection is the goal. So he needed a mentor to help him understand that less than perfect is not failure. Early on, he worked for Dr. Frank Tobin at pharmaceutical giant GlaxoSmithKline. One area that I um, really appreciated him, his wisdom was on this notion of don't let the perfect come in the way of the good. Um, I had a career with him doing scientific computing and advanced mathematical programming for solving various challenges in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, and as a mathematician, as an engineer, you're always looking to get the best finished product out there um, because your quality is on the line, it's your creativity and how, how hard you work to sort of think about a specific problem. Um, solutioning um, is front and center and what matters to you most. And one of the key points of uh, advice he gave me was, let's think about versioning, let's think about bringing uh, an excellent answer up front, see how it works and refining it over time. And that's what I learned this concept of versioning and you see this in the iPhone, we're now running at version 15 and each one of those versions have had something that they've built on previous versions. Um, it really allows for an opportunity to get more periodic feedback. It also gets to a mindset of continuous improvement where you can sort of refine your work product based on what you see as potential areas of opportunity. Um, so you don't start with the perfect, you start with something that is excellent and refine it uh, as you keep going on. Do you find this is something that you, you pass along, whether it's to a, a true sort of mentee or just kind of as, as, a, as a superior to folks, that um, the, the, this pearl of wisdom that you've gotten? Yes, absolutely. And now I lead a career, uh, having spent a lot of time in the in the uh, engineering and scientific career um, prior to my stint in business with McKinsey and with Mollham and um, I truly would pass that along to um, other people that were both mentees as well as people who worked uh, with me but truly in my business career it was equally applicable to sort of you know think about um, solutions um, and, and pass that advice that uh, Dr. Tobin gave me. Thanks to Fabi Abraham at Memorial Herman, who also gave us a handy list of four things to look for in a mentor. One, someone who will actually listen to you and go deep on your thoughts, not just theirs. Two, a constructive problem solver. They elevate the bad and the good in your thinking. Three, someone always available, within reason. If they can't get back to you until next month, that's a problem. And four, someone who will know you for a while so they can connect the dots over time, not just look at the situation of the moment. I'll end where we began with a quote from Dr. Vashist from Ballad. To all those people who think they may not need a mentor and have arrived, you are in for a shock, end quote. This is You Can't Do It Alone from Wellvana, produced in partnership with Relationary Marketing. I'm Blake Farmer. Thanks for listening.